0: Man, what a powerful time of worship. We're actually going to be talking a little bit about the name of Jesus this morning. That was sort of unplanned to the worship team, and I did not necessarily coordinate that. But we are going to be talking about the name of Jesus because uh, we're talking about... We're, we're, we're in a series on prayer and fasting as we go through our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, but we're talking about power in prayer and how to have more effectiveness and power in our prayers. And if you, I'm not sure if you think like this, but you can definitely see this mentality uh, in the world today where prayer is almost like a last resort, right? A- and if you watch a football game or something, they they throw a pass at the end, a Hail Mary, and they go, well, he, there he throws up a prayer, you know, like it just has, it, it's just like a 1% chance, you know. Um, and I heard it the other night. I was watching a basketball game. And somebody shot, you know, at a buzzer from half court. And we like, you know, well, that was a prayer. You know, I'm like, man, you are giving prayer a bad name. All right, that's not what prayer, but that's how a lot of people think about prayer. And the reason that they have that mentality is because that's been their experience with prayer. Is that they pray, and we just don't know. You know, you say a prayer, it's like, a, we've tried everything else, we might as well pray. Or you throw up a prayer, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Well, we can find in Scripture, though, specific reasons why prayer works and why it doesn't. We can find specific things in Scripture about how to increase our effectiveness in prayer. And so, you know, sometimes when things don't work for you, it's not because there's something wrong with the thing. It's because you just don't have the knowledge you need to have about how to make that thing work. Right? You ever experienced that? Maybe if you're from an older generation, you feel like that. Maybe when you first got your phones, you know, or you first got on social media, some of you still feel like that. And then you you hand it to a teenager and they're just like, and they could just do everything. Works fine for them. It doesn't work fine for you. Well, prayer is one of those things where there are specific parameters that are laid out in Scripture that. If you study the scripture you will find out what makes prayer more effective and it doesn't have to be this well I'm kind of guessing and just hoping whether it happens or whether it whether it doesn't so I want to talk to you about how to increase the effectiveness of your prayer we've been talking about it we started last week and I really gave you three things and we're just gonna keep breaking those things down it was three things number one was obedience Your obedience to God's word affects the power of your prayer. Uh, Number two is faith. Okay, the level of faith. Faith is very involved in whether or not prayers got answered in Scripture. And then the third one was understanding our authority that we've been given in Christ, specifically through the name of Jesus. And we're going to get to that in the end. So we're going to start with obedience this morning. But before we do, how, how many of you, and this is just kind of a curiosity thing, you know, we had all this ice and snow and stuff like that recently. Just by a quick show of hands, how many of you enjoy when something like that happens? Just like the ice and the snow, it's kind of fun, you enjoy How many of you hate it? You're like, this is awful. <laughs> all right, it's it's about 50-50. It seemed like a few people have just not made up their mind yet, because I don't think everybody raised their hand. But it's about 50-50. People like it, some people like it, some people don't like it. Well, if you don't like it, um, I think I know where it started, because a few years ago, I grew up we never had snow or ice. It was like it seemed like t- when I was growing up, you know, you always wanted snow as a kid, you especially around and we just never snowed. I think one time when I was little I remember very something and then we just it never we never got ice, we never got snow. It was always a disappointment. They would always talk about it and it never happened. It was like it might snow next week and then it never would and you were always disappointed and then something changed a few years ago and it seemed like we've gotten snow and ice every year for like what six years it feels like and I, I think I know where it started because when my son he's let's see he's he's a, he'll be 16 this year so I guess he would have been about 10 he asked us if it was gonna snow this year and I said probably not it never snows it nothing like that ever happens around here you know we'd have to go up further north and he said well it is gonna snow this year and I said I mean, I don't think you're a weather caster. I don't know how you know whether it's going to snow. He said, no, it's going to snow. I said, well, how how can you be so sure? He said, because I prayed about it. I said, really? He said, yeah, I prayed, and I asked God for it to snow this year. Now, this is one of those moments as a parent where you're like, how do I explain how prayer works without, you know, discouraging him from this whole process? And so I don't remember what I said, but I remember I was not in faith with his prayers, but he was. It snowed four times that year. Okay. I don't know if you remember that year. That was like, it was like the first time and it snowed like four different times or either, either snow or ice. My wife and I kept looking at each other. Every time we saw the weather, I'm like, wait, was this God? Like, does he have this power? You know, we're trying to figure this out. And I swear every year since then, it feels like it snowed or ice. So blame him. You know, that's, it started that long. No, I'm just, I'm kind of kidding around with that. But Actually, in Scripture, I don't, I, you know, I don't think we have the power to pray for snow or anything like that. But, you know, in Scripture, you see all kinds of miracles happening through the power of prayer, and Jesus even connects childlike faith to there being specific power to that childlike faith. And so, we're going to talk about some of the things that are connected to power in prayer because I believe that prayer, and, and I don't say this as a pastor trying to, you know. Uh, hype you up about it I really believe that prayer is the most powerful force on the planet and I say that because of what it is okay it's it's a connection that we have with God for with for whom nothing is impossible okay we're talking to a God that can do anything has already proven that he can he created the universe the stars the planets he can do it so he has the power and the ability to do it but he also has the desire to answer your prayer and tells us that we should come and pray. So when you have that connection with with God that we're invited to ask, we're invited to pray and he and he has the power to answer. It it, it is the most powerful force on the planet because there's nothing he can't do. All right? And that's the, that's a fact. That's the truth. That's not like we're getting excited this morning and trying to work ourselves up about prayer. That's what it is. It's it's a very powerful force that's available to us, but I think even a lot of believers don't have that that confidence in it and so we don't pray or if we do it's kinda we throw up a prayer but prayer is very powerful and I've seen some of the greatest things in my life happen through prayer and as a result of prayer so I want to talk to you about what I've come to understand from scripture and in my experience of the things that make prayer more powerful the first one is obedience okay let me read to you um, If you have your Bible, you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. They're going to put it on the screen for us. So there's a couple. When I talk about obedience, uh, I explained this in week one. There's really two types of obedience I'm talking about. The first one is uh, general obedience to God's Word. In other words, you live a life of holiness, and you follow God's Word, and you're striving to follow God's Word. That's going to affect the powers of your prayer right there Uh, because the Bible says that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It says that the prayers of the wicked uh, are not heard by God, but the prayers of the righteous are close to the Lord. So, just how, just just whether or not we obey the word or not, okay, and our lives are truly submitted to God or not, will make a difference in our in our prayers. Doesn't mean that a sinner will never have their prayer answered. It doesn't mean somebody who's not living right or doing right will never have their prayers answered. You hear all kinds of miracles about God intervening. I'm just talking about not whether or not a prayer will get answered but how to increase the effectiveness of it and how to increase the consistency of it. And a life of obedience creates tremendous power. James explained this. He said, The prayers of a righteous man make tremendous power available. So there's a connection there. But that's not actually what we're going to talk about when we talk about obedience. I want to talk about obeying in the specific area that you're praying for. Okay? So... We used last week, for example, the, the example of a husband and wife and that if you're praying for, if you have a spouse that's unbelieving and you're praying for them to get saved. Well, there are specific scriptures that address how you should live in that situation. And you have to first be obeying those scriptures before you can pray over that situation. Or I should say, if you are obeying those scriptures, it's going to increase the power and the effectiveness of your prayer. Spent a lot of time on that last week. Not going to belabor that point this morning. You can go back and listen, but I did want to give you one more example of that. Let's say that you're praying for your children. All right, you're praying over your children. You're praying for their future. All right, you're praying that they'll do the will of God. You're praying that they'll love God, that they'll they'll grow up to be children that love God, follow God, pursue God, that have a strong moral compass. That can tell the difference between right and wrong and this is your desire as a parent and so you're just you're praying over your children well the Word of God gives us a lot of instruction about how to raise our children and so what I'm gonna say is that those prayers are going to be way more effective when you are obeying the passages and the scripture that pertain specifically to uh, how you should raise your children so Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 6 tells us this he says in these words that I command you today shall be on your heart you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise so this is only one scripture we could give dozens that talk about the importance of parents training their children in the ways of the Lord and in the in the uh, ways of Scripture are you doing this Okay, are, are you teaching your children to follow the Lord? Are you teaching them when you sit in your house? Are you teaching them when you walk in the way? Are you teaching them when they lie down and when they rise? In other words, is this the center of your life? Is this the center of your home? Do you, are you having these conversations with them? Okay, because if you're not, it's going to be hard to, to pray and say, well, God, we want these things in my kids' lives, but then you're not following the scripture. Do you see the disconnect? You know I gave the example last week I said well if my son comes to me and he says dad I want twenty dollars and I say well I'll give you twenty dollars but I want you to mow the yard first it does no good for him to come and keep asking me for twenty dollars I've already told him how to get the twenty dollars and until he does that I'm just gonna keep pointing him to the obedience that's gonna get what he's after he's not like he's gonna ask me enough times I'm gonna finally go okay here fine I mean some parents would do that that I'm not gonna do that okay here fine no I told you how to get it the path is clear do it and you'll get the thing that you're asking for so that's why I say obedience and prayer work together you can't separate them you can't separate them you can't if you're praying and believing for something and I would say one of the things that decreases the power of prayer tremendously is if you're walking in disobedience to to the scriptures that you're trying to get prayers answered on, if you're walking in disobedience to that, the first thing the Lord's going to do is have you repent of that and correct that action in your life before you begin to pray for it. Let's keep going. Here's another one. You want your kids to follow God. You want them to have good manners. You want them to, to be good, healthy people. So you're training them up. Proverbs 29, 15. It says, The rod and reproof give wisdom but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother proverbs 13:24. whoever spares the rod hates his son but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him so again I would say that the Word of God has a tremendous amount to say on how we discipline our children I've seen a lot of Christian people in the modern day they've traded what they think about and what they believe about when it comes to disciplining their children They've traded what the Word of God says for what the world has to say about how to discipline children. If you do that, and then you pray, and you want God God on your team, you want God on your side to answer your prayer, but you don't follow anything that His Word says when it comes to how to train your children, how to discipline your children, I'm going to say that you're creating a situation where your prayers are probably not going to get answered because you're not following what the Word of God says. Hey, listen. God's not a genie. Doesn't work like rub-a-dub-dub, you know, and you just get whatever you want, no matter, no matter what. A lot of the promises of God are conditional, and they're conditional on our obedience, and they're conditional on our faith, and things like that. Uh, let me give you another truth when it comes to that. We're just using a specific example of your children, but this applies to everything, okay? A lot of times when I meet with couples, that come to my office and they're having an issue with their child. All right, something's going on, and they're they're coming. They're at the point where they're going. Hey, let's let's meet with the pastor and let's try to see if we can get some help. You know, on what to do here because we don't know how to advance. I can't think of one time in 13 years. See, this is just me being raw with y'all this morning. This is okay because I I don't like to get up here and just give you fluff. I want I want to help you this morning. I can't think of a time in 13 years I've ever met with a couple and I heard the problems that they were having and I ever said that the solution was you know what you need to do you just need to pray more over your kids I never I don't think I've ever said that now is it do I think that prayer is powerful and that it can make it and there's certain situations that may require that yes yes but almost every time when I hear what's going on Rather, there are specific scriptures that I hear as they're talking and I go, there's the solution to that. And the way you're doing this is not in line with scripture and we need to adjust this so that you can get a different result with your kids. I've never once that I can remember heard and go, I know the answer. You just need to pray more over your kids. Now, again, I understand the power of prayer, but it's, it's never usually on the prayer end. It's almost always on the obedience end. And a lot of the problems that people are having are because they're not obeying the word of God in how to raise godly children. So this is why I say if you want to experience more effectiveness and more power in prayer, we're going to want to make sure that we're obeying first in that specific area. Okay? So I've talked about husbands and wives. I've talked about children. We could go through 20 different examples. But I can tell you whatever you're praying over. Maybe you're praying over a relationship that, that there's unforgiveness. Maybe you're praying over somebody that's hurt you. Maybe you're, maybe it's a financial need. I can promise you there are scriptures that apply to that situation. And the first thing I would do and that I do do before I pray is I want to go to that scripture and make sure, am I obeying God? This passage, and am I doing what God's asked me to do in this area? And if I am, and I'm still not seeing the result, that's where the power of prayer comes in. Okay, so you want to make sure that those things are aligned first. The other day, I was riding with my son. We had watched a, like a viral video or something of uh, this guy who had road rage, and he pulled off the side of the road, and in his anger, he didn't see this guy on a motorcycle that was beside him, and he ran over the guy with the motorcycle and caused him all kinds of problems and stuff like that. And so a few days later, we were driving in the car, and my son asked me, he said, "Uh, you know, Dad, I don't know what you would do, but I would sue that guy. And he said, what would you do? And I thought for a minute, and I said, well, McKinley, I said, there's a lot of things, uh, there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that talk about suing other people. So I said, the very first thing I would do is I would go find every scripture in the Bible that talks about suing another person. Did you know there's a lot in the Bible about this? There's a lot in the Bible about should believers sue another person. There's a lot in the Bible about how we should treat those who do evil to us. There's a lot there. I said so before I made my decision, I would go read every scripture that I could find in the Bible on that topic and after I read those scriptures I would make my decision about how to move forward but I wouldn't just do it out of emotion or I wouldn't just do it out of well so-and-so said or well everybody does this my life's not based on that my life is based on the Word of God and I want to go see and find what does the Word of God say that's the kind of obedience that I'm talking about okay I'm talking about where if you're gonna build your life on this thing that we call the Word of God you can't live however you want and then just pray for God to come through when you've been living in disobedience in that area for a decade and then we're going to just pray oh God fix this you know God this isn't turning out this is falling apart God fix this well but okay but if you had been obeying this for the decade you wouldn't even be having this problem alright so we have to start with obedience and obedience begins a lot of times with repentance we, we begin with repentance and look when we repent you'll be amazed at how God will get involved you say, well, I've messed this up for a decade. Just start with repentance. Throw yourself on the mercy of God. Go to God and say, I've been doing this wrong. I've been re- in rebellion to you. I haven't been following this. I've messed everything up. Lord, I can't go back and redo it. I repent. I want to start over. Please give me a fresh start. Today, I'm going to start obeying. I can't go back and change what I did. I'm going to start obeying now. You'll be shocked at the mercy of God and how he will get involved and begin to turn that situation around. But you can't just keep living the way that you want, disobeying the Word and go, Oh, God, would you fix this? God, I pray over this. Would you, would you do this? Would you take care of this? Well, I prayed it didn't work. There might be a reason why it didn't work. And one of those reasons, a lot of times, has to do with the obedience in our life. Let me tell you, everything to do with God, it centers around relationships. And, you'll, and and you'll never live you'll never live the Christian life successfully if you don't have a relationship with God okay so a relationship is where you go to someone and you say hey I'm sorry for what I did I know I'm wrong I apologize I wanna fix this I wanna get this right and he'll begin to teach you as a son or daughter he'll say yeah you need to do this different. You need to forgive. You need to tweak your parenting. You need to tweak the way you're responding here. And, I'll, and I'm going to get involved and I'm going to bless it. So God's on your side. God wants the best for you. Everything he's written in his book is for your good. It, he's not a God that just makes arbitrary laws. And because he likes to see if his kids can follow it or not because they're hard. That, that's not the God we serve. Everything there is because he loves you. And, and you'll find out that everything there is because he loves you and because it works when you try to disobey. When you try to disobey, you find out, oh, that's why that was there. But I want us to be one of those kids that don't have to experience it firsthand to know that it's a good thing to follow. How many of you have had kids like that? How many of you have had kids that they had to figure it out for themselves? That we call them knuckleheads, you know? They got to figure it out for themselves. Then you have those kids that watch the knuckleheads and they go, hmm, I'm going to learn from their mistake. I want to be one of God's kids that's like, okay, I can see the reasons why I should live in obedience to this and I don't have to experience it for myself. I went on longer than that than I wanted to, but I think it's so crucial and so important. Number two so, obedience is number one. Number two is faith. Okay, you'll get a long way with just obedience. Matter of fact, I'm going to say that there are a lot of things in Scripture that you want, that the Scripture promises. There are a lot of things that you want that you never even have to pray for, never even have to pray. All you have to do is obey because because the reward is attached to the obedience. God said, if you do this, you will get this. No need to pray. No need to pray. God said, if you do this, you will get this. Tithes and offerings is one of those things. You don't have to pray about your finances because he said, if you do this, you'll get this. It's automatic through proper obedience, okay? So obedience will get you a long way. And I'd say it's one of the most important things in the life of every believer. However, faith is also another very important aspect of getting your prayers answered. Many believers do not realize that the promises of God have to be appropriated meaning that sometimes there is something that's available to you okay and even something that maybe you qualify for but that you're not experiencing in your life it's a long we could give a long explanation of why that's this why it's that way but let's just suffice it to say that we do not live in a perfect world we live in a world that is very broken full of sin and there is a real devil that is at work, okay? That's about all you need to know about why there are problems here. And sometimes there are things that are available to you that, you could say it this way, that have to be enforced, okay? And one of the ways we do that is by faith. Let me show you from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful for your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour resist him he's talking to Christians resist him okay why do you have to resist the devil you know if it was like I was saying earlier where you just walk in obedience and everything works out perfect well then now we're getting to this other side what happens when you are walking in obedience and it's not working out perfect well now we get to this side he says resist him. How? Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brothers throughout the world. So we live in a world where we have to resist the devil, and we live in a world where sometimes uh, we are qualifying for something through obedience, but now we've got to stand in faith and believe for it. I've walked through this many times in my life where I knew that God wanted me to have something. I knew, that, I knew that God wanted to do something in my life. And as far as on my end, I'd already done the obedience check. You know, am I doing everything you've asked me to do? And so now I'm just in a process of standing in faith while I wait for that thing to happen. And, so, one, one, and that's why Paul says, once you've done all, one, having done all, he says, now stand. Stand in faith. So once you've done everything that you're supposed to do and you're obeying, it doesn't mean that it's gonna just happen automatically. Sometimes there's a season of standing and believing in faith while you wait for that thing to happen. Many of you've walked this out. Many of you've believed God for years and on on, on different things. And you've prayed, am I doing something wrong? Am I? And you've searched your heart, and you, you've, you're like, I, I've done what I need to do. Now you're just standing in faith, believing God that this is going to happen because you said. Think about Abraham. God got a promise, excuse me, Abraham got a promise from God when he was 75 years old that he was going to be the father of many nations, and God was going to cause he and Sarah to bear a son in their old age. You know how long it took that promise to come to pass? 25 years. What was he doing in the meantime? Well, the Book of Romans tells us he was standing in faith. It was a battle. It was a fight. He didn't do perfect at it, but he was standing in faith while the promises of God were happening and being worked out. So we need faith to to stand while we wait for the promises of God to be accomplished. So what is faith, and how does it grow? Because if faith, and think about it in the New Testament. I've I've gone through the New Testament and written down before I think I even preached it one time all the times that Jesus turned to somebody and said your faith has made you whole and that's very telling because there were some people getting healed some people not getting healed and so many of the ones that did get healed he turned to and he said your faith has made you whole which is a very telling statement because he he'd never said a bunch of other things that he could have said he never said it was the will of God that you get Healed today he never said it was the power of God that healed you today he said your faith has made you whole and there were even instances where he were he was places that he was at and it says he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief so faith is very tied to to what we get from God so when I'm talking about faith let me tell you what I'm not talking about I'm not talking about just trying by your own willpower to believe really hard and I think that's what people think about sometimes when you say, well, you just need to, you need to stand in faith for that, you know, or you need to have faith. They think, okay, well, I know I already believe, so I guess I'm just going to try to believe harder. And then maybe that'll, like, approach that place of real, real faith. But I'm just going to tell you that it doesn't work like that. This is not a matter of willpower. This isn't something where you just decide, okay, I'm going to really believe hard on this issue that's not what it is I'm going to talk to you about how faith actually grows and how to increase your faith if it is so important Romans chapter 10 verse 14 Paul writes he's talking about the process of salvation which of course we know comes by faith he says how then will they call on him that being the Lord how then will they call on the Lord in whom they have not believed so first of all he says okay you can't call on God out of, uh, unless you believe that he is God. In other words, you can't call on the name of Jesus unless you believe that he is Lord or that he is the Son of God. And he keeps going. Well, and then how are they to believe in whom they've not heard? He said, well, you're never going to believe if you hadn't even heard that there is a Jesus. And he keeps going. He says, and how are they going to hear without someone preaching? He says, okay, well, they, they, he says, for, so first of all, they need to believe, but they're not going to believe if they haven't heard. And he said, so they need to hear. Well, they're not going to hear unless somebody preaches. So he's talking about a process where you, let's, let's work it backwards. Where hearing truth comes, that produces belief, and belief produces the faith that we're looking for and produces the results. Verse 17, he says it this way. So, faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. So, you want to know how faith comes? Faith comes from hearing the truth of God's Word. Just like you're doing this morning. See, as we read the Word of God, guess what's happening? Faith is rising. Faith is rising that. Wow, maybe I can have more power in prayer. Faith is rising that, hey, maybe prayer doesn't have to be a Hail Mary that we toss up. Maybe it could be more powerful than that. Faith is rising. That's how faith comes. Faith comes through hearing and meditating and feeding on the Word of God, specifically in the area, area that you need faith in. Okay, if you need faith in the area of healing, what I would advise is to go to the Word of God and, and compile all the scriptures that talk about healing. And read those, meditate on those, feed your spirit with those. There's no shortcut to this process. There's no shortcut to just decide, I'm going to believe really hard. It doesn't work like that. That'd be the same thing if you walked in the gym and you saw somebody over there on the side that had, you know, real big muscles and he was all ripped up and lifting lots of weight. And you looked at him and you said, You know, I think I'm going to just be like that. I. Don't look like that. But I want to be like that, and I'm going to just really will myself to get there. Listen, it took him or her a long journey to get there. And they did this consistently every day, and they grew, and they grew, and they grew until they got there. Faith is the same way. Faith, matter of fact, I like to say it this way faith is a muscle. You might as well understand faith is a muscle you don't try really hard to get faith that's not how it works faith is a muscle that you develop and that you grow and the longer you walk with God and you pray for something and you see it happen that faith muscle is growing and then next time you pray for something and you didn't get it and you keep going and you pray and you stand in faith for a year you stand in faith for two years and finally God comes through that faith muscle grows And every time you hear a sermon on faith or you read the Word of God daily and you read something on that, you find faith rising. And and you wake up one day and that faith muscle has grown. And so where before you could only lift 100 pounds, now you can lift 200 pounds because that faith muscle has grown. That is how faith works. Okay, He's talking about salvation here, but all faith works this way. It works by developing faith that muscle of faith that God has given you now other thing I want to mention about faith is it it grows in specific areas okay so just like we'll we'll use the example of the muscle man in the gym Uh, you could theoretically go to the gym and see somebody that has massive arms but their legs look like little chicken legs because they skip leg day forever, right? They, they don't do legs. They don't like to, that's why they always wear jogging pants. They don't, they don't <laughs> want anybody to see their chicken legs. So you could develop, so you could have massive strength up here and no strength down here because you built strength in that area, but you neglected this area. Same thing, same thing with faith. I've seen this exact same thing with faith in my own life and in other people's lives. People that believe God, they built their faith in one area. A lot of people have a lot of faith when it comes to salvation and God saving people. But when it comes to healing, they've heard bad teaching. They have bad beliefs. They have a lot of confusion. So they have no faith when it comes to healing. They go, everybody I pray for just stays sick. Uh, It don't work for me. There's no faith in that area, but you have faith over here in God in a very strong area. That's because the muscle of faith has to be developed in specific areas J- just because you grow your faith it doesn't necessarily translate to every single other area now it will translate much like working out when you strengthen parts of your body it's going to help you in other parts that's true but I have found that I have to ha- I have to develop that muscle of faith in different areas as I walk through those things okay so it's a it's a journey it's a process it takes commitment, it takes time, but it's, it's something that you can definitely do, and the Bible teaches us how to do it. So let me give you just a kind of a practical guide, I guess, of what I would do if I needed faith in an area. I would find every scripture in the Bible, which is very easy to do with the Internet. Okay, You can just compile a long list of scriptures that pertain to this topic and I would just begin to feed myself with that I would just begin to feed on the Word of God and then if there is a sermon series by a pastor that I that I trust that teaches on that topic then I would get that and I would want to listen to it over and over just put it on repeat over and over and over again as my faith rose I would listen to that now as you do that what's gonna happen is your faith is gonna rise and then and then you're gonna see results if you wanna hear more on faith we have a sermon on our website, a sermon series on our website or our YouTube channel called Unmovable, and it, it's di- the whole series is about faith and how faith grows and how to develop your faith and all of that. This morning, we're just, we're just hitting it briefly, but we do have a whole sermon series on the website about faith. Again, it's called Unmovable if you want to check it out. The third thing that we're going to hit this morning is about our authority as believers, the authority that we have in Christ um, to cause things to happen by that authority. So I do think it's very important to have the first two things right. I think it's very important to have the obedience and the faith right. But this other area, this is a this is another way that God uses to accomplish things in our life. When I'm talking about authority, uh it, it has, in, in some ways, it has to do with getting things accomplished that should actually not be prayed for, at least not in the typical sense. Okay? In other words, instead of asking God to do something, God, would you do this for us? This begins to get into an understanding that he's given you authority to accomplish certain things and so that you don't need to ask God because he's already given you the authority to do it. And I'll give you a few examples of these. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. So we're not just talking about the disciples. We're not just talking about the apostles. We're not just talking about the 12. All right, there's 72. The Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest go your go your way behold I'm sending you as lambs into the midst of wolves okay verse 17 the 72 returned with joy saying Lord even the demons are subject to us in your name okay so here's the authority that we're talking about first of all Jesus gave them this authority he appointed them he gave them that authority they come back They're a little bit shocked They're a little bit shocked that their authority worked. They came back. They're excited. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. In other words, when we use the name of Jesus, the devils came out. You read through uh, the New Testament, and you see every time a a demon was cast out uh, under Jesus' ministry or the apostles, they never prayed in the typical sense they never said God would you please take this demon out of this person they never did that they used the authority that God gave them and they looked. And they said in the name of Jesus come out see that's not a prayer that's a command under the authority of the name of Jesus and we have that authority in Christ look at Jesus's answer they said Lord even the demons are subject to us in your name And he said to them, look, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, I saw him stripped of his power and authority. Behold, I have given you authority. Everybody say authority. Authority. Jesus looked at the 72, and by the way, we all have the same mission as they did. Go read the Great Commission. It didn't change. We have the same mission that they have. And we have the same authority. It's the same Holy Spirit. The mission hasn't changed in 2,000 years. He said, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Jesus is not talking about snakes. He's talking about the demonic. He says, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you you see he's talking about authority a lot of believers have no understanding that they actually have authority from God that they walk in over the power of the enemy there are there are sometimes that Satan is working doing things causing problems in, in your life in your family over you ki- over your kids you say well I've I've prayed I've done right I've obeyed I've done everything I can do I've stood in faith and and it seems like Satan is still working listen you have authority over the power of the enemy and you have that authority through the name of Jesus and we see it used and exercised many times in scripture you'll see several times in the New Testament where our authority is tied specifically to the name of Jesus It's not that you have any Power and authority in your own. The power and the authority is in the name of Jesus, but you've been given authority to use the name of Jesus. That's why when we pray, we always say at the end, in the name of Jesus. We're praying under the authority and under the power of the name of Jesus. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. This is the Great Commission. It says, These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. Everybody say, In my name. Okay, why do I have you repeat things after me? Because sometimes it's so easy to just read the scripture and you just glaze over. I want you to see it, okay? He says, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. They will drink any deadly poison. It will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. When you read the Great Commission which is what this is, you read it in Matthew, you find out this, this commission extends all the way to the end. Because what he says is, he says, and this gospel shall be preached over the whole world until the end. And then the end will come. So this, the great commission's never changed. We still have this mission, and guess what? We still have the same authority and the same weapons that he gave them to do the job. We still have them as well as we do the job. And every generation that comes after us will have them until Jesus returns so he says in my name they will cast out demons and they will do these other miraculous works Acts chapter 4 verse 30 they were praying the Apostles were praying it says while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus Philippians 2 9 It says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him, talking about Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How many know there's a lot of power in that name? There's a lot of power in the name of Jesus. And look, when you read this scripture, Okay, he says, he's exalted him and bestowed upon him a name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And he says, at that name, every knee will bow. Of things that are in the earth, things that are under the earth, things that are in heaven. And every tongue will confess, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Listen, when you mention and you say the name of Jesus, things have to bow. It's not because of you. Not because of anything you did, but you've been given authority to use that name. I like to say it this way. Uh, sin has to bow to the name of Jesus. Uh, cancer has to bow to the name of Jesus. Depression has to bow to the name of Jesus. So when you're, when you're in a situation and you're facing this, listen, I, and, we, and we've taught our kids this, you know, from a young age. Uh, because children can do this. Children can do this. There's, there's no age limit for this. But to say, in the name of Jesus, fear has to go. In the name of, because, and, and the more you understand this, the more faith you have for it, and they're connected. They're connected. All the promises of God are made more effective by our faith. So when you understand it, and faith rises because we're talking about it, now there's power in it. And so when you pray, in the name of Jesus, depression has to go. If if you're struggling in your marriage and you say, in the name of Jesus, strife has to go. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Now, you Satan, you know, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, it says Satan left him for a season. And then and then he, you know, he returned later. He came back later. So when you use that, you have that authority and you have that power, yeah, it's gonna be effective. It doesn't mean you're not gonna have to do it again. But it's a tool that we have as we fight the fight of faith and as we live as we live this, this life. Look, you may be at work and things going on and there's chaos and there's all of this stuff going on. And you just follow, you just follow the master. You say, I'm going to do just what Jesus did. I'm going to say, in the name of Jesus, peace to the storm. I speak peace to the storm in the name of Jesus. I speak peace in this place in the name of Jesus. I say that at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow every everything has to bow to the name of Jesus if you're a believer you carry that with you everywhere you go you carry that with you and it is powerful and it is effective look at Acts chapter 3 6 as we go through these quickly Uh, Peter and John were at the gate and and they came uh, upon a lame beggar and and he was begging for silver and gold and things like that. In verse 6, it says, But Peter said to him, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Notice, they did not pray for the man. Okay? He, he didn't go over to him and pray be you know I pray God God would you please heal this man that's not what he did I'm not saying you can't do that I'm just showing you another way I'm not saying you can't pray and, and ask God for that you certainly can I'm just showing you examples where they didn't pray instead they used their authority he looked at the man and he said in the name of Jesus rise up and walk he gave him a command through the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Where did Peter get the idea that he had the authority to command a sick person to be healed in the name of Jesus? From the great commission. Jesus said, in my name they will cast out demons, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So he had this, he had that faith that when I command in the name of Jesus, this this is gonna happen and be done. And by the way, You may think, maybe, some of your, you know, well, I've tried that and it didn't work, okay? Just because you've tried it and it didn't work, or just because you've prayed and you didn't get your prayer answered, it doesn't mean that it's not the Word of God and it's still true. There may be more things that we need to learn about this. There may need to be areas that we grow in this. I'm just saying, if you read Scripture and you're going to believe Scripture, these things are available to the believer. Amen? One more example. Acts chapter 16, verse 18. Paul is preaching, and as he travels and preaches, uh, there was a young girl that was demon possessed that was following him around. Verse 18 this is Acts 16:18. He says, "This she kept doing for many days." And Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, to the demonic spirit. See, he didn't pray over. Her he spoke to the demonic spirit and he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out that very hour. Now that ought to show you right there that there's power in the name of Jesus, because he didn't pray and ask God to do it, but that demon had to bow to the name of Jesus. And when Paul said, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out, it came out so as a believer this is something we can grow our faith in we can develop our faith in to understand wait a minute I have power in the name of Jesus I'm not weak I'm not just you know I, I'm not just a victim of my circumstances okay there are tools at my disposal to do and accomplish things and I don't want to take this uh, sort of passive way of going. well we don't know if prayers gonna work or not or we don't know if this is gonna happen or not some of the times, the reason people feel that way is because they haven't done the, the work to, to study it and understand that there's a little more available to you than you realize. And I do, think it takes, I do think it takes growing in our faith. I do think it takes growing in our relationship with the Lord. I do think that, you know, there is a developing in these things that have to happen. But if you spend time with God... You can grow and you can develop in these things. I'll tell you what I really don't want us to do. I really just don't want us, because we don't understand something or or because we haven't done the work to grow in it, to, to build a system of belief that is wrong based on our experience. And go well. Well, this is this is what prayer is. This is how things work. This is, but it's not actually in line with Scripture. I tell you what, I would rather us do, and what I, the approach I've tried to take in my own life. I'd rather say, Scripture says this is the way things are. Scripture says these are the things I can have, and if I'm not having them right now, I'm going to say the problem's on my end, and I believe I can reach that. Okay, and so I want to grow in it. I want to learn how to do it better. I want God to speak to me and show me. But I'm not going to adopt a system of belief to align with my experience and my doubt and my unbelief instead of that aligns with the Word of God. And that's a lot better position to be in. It's a lot better position to humbly say, Well, the Bible says I can use the name of Jesus and have authority. I, I'm not experiencing that. I try to take authority over things. that doesn't work okay well then maybe you need to grow and develop but don't change your doctrine don't change your belief over it because you're not having what the Bible says there's a lot of things in scripture I see that I go man I need to grow if I'm going to experience that but I'd rather be in that position of honoring God and saying God no matter what I believe your word no matter what I believe you and there may be some things I'm not seeing okay there may be some things that I need to grow in But I believe your word. And if your word says this, then that's what my beliefs are built upon. Amen? These things work together. Your obedience, your faith, and your authority that you have in the name of Jesus.